Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, guys, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And today we're going to talk about the place of tolerance and discussion in the body of Christ. This is a very important subject. It's one that isn't isn't considered very often. You don't hear much today about the Christian conscience and Christian liberty as we're going to talk about, but... Um, tolerating one another and the place of open dialogue has a long history in the church. In fact, we see Christians having open discussions about theological matters around Scripture from the Council of Nicaea, Chalcedon, the White Horse Tavern, and many more examples throughout the history of the church. The White Horse Tavern was also known as the White Horse Inn. And no, we're not talking about Michael Horton's ministry, the White Horse Inn. Uh, but but the White Horse Tavern, it was a place for English reformers to discuss Lutheran, Lutheran ideas from 1521 onward. John Fox describes the meeting in uh, the Book of Martyrs. In attendance at these meetings, according to Fox, were the future Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Kramer, Miles Coverdale, Matthew Parker, William Tyndale, Nick, Nicholas Shaxton, John Rogers, and John Bale. Also included were were Stephen Gardner, the future bishop of Winchester. These men met at the White Horse uh, Tavern located on King's Lane on the west of, of King's Parade. It was in existence by it was in existence by 1455. It was demolished in 1870 when the King's College Scots building was constructed. A blue plaque on the wall facing the point where the King's Parade becomes Trumpington Street and now commemorates the original location of the White Horse Tavern. From the early church councils to the modern-day gatherings, Christians have been meeting to discuss issues related to the church. In fact, in Acts 15, the church meets to settle whether Gentiles need to be circumcised or not. Now, the church has a long history of engaging one another, both corporately and individually, in various theological Christian traditions to discuss matters related to the Bible, related to theology. With the rise of the internet um, in particular, we would rather not meet in person and discuss topics in recent times. But as we've seen, from the early church to the present, Traditionally, Christians gather together to discuss matters. Christians aren't afraid of open, honest dialogue and discussion because we have the truth in God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, and authoritative word. We gather around God's word on the Lord's Day in small groups, at coffee shops, at other places to talk from Scripture about the issues of our lives. A truly biblical understanding of speech and communication, it dictates that we speak the truth, but we speak it in love seasoned with salt. In fact, James in James 3 warns that the tongue is a flaming fire. Christians 
must engage with one another over 50 times. In the New Testament, we are told to one another each other. We don't retrieve from one another. When one of us errs, we confront and love to win back the brother or sister in Christ with the truth of Scripture. In fact, as we come to the idea of tolerating one another, I need to be clear about what it means to be tolerant. Because in our society today, the idea of tolerance means that we only uh, tolerate one view, one side of the equation, one viewpoint of ideas in the marketplace of ideas in the public square. But you see, Christians do the opposite of this. We don't accept every view as equally valid. For example, we reject the idea that Jesus is only a good teacher or a prophet or that salvation is, is made by multiple paths and so on and so forth or, or that we can blend or, or that homosexuality is okay. We reject these ideas because the Bible rejects them. And so we reject these ideas and more because they deny the teaching of Scripture. But even so, we tolerate the person because they are made in the image and likeness of God. And so we aim to win them with the truth of God's word because Scripture, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, pierces the heart. As we proclaim the word faithfully, the Spirit opens eyes, He converts sinners, He teaches the saints the truth of the gospel. Now, in today's culture, it's often thought that Christians are the least tolerant people in the world in in the world but that's not true we as christians were the first ones to start universities hospitals care for the sick start counseling others and caring for them and so much more christians did this and continue to do this because they love the lord and they understand that the love of for god fuels a love for other people you see True tolerance isn't the acceptance of all ideas as equally valid. True tolerance is understanding the difference between saying that a person isn't entitled to their viewpoint when it comes to the truth found in Scripture and the idea that they are. As Christians, we are absolutely 100% not against free speech. We are for free speech. A love for God demands that we treat every image bearer made in the image and likeness of God with dignity, value, and respect. And in such an understanding, it also informs our knowledge of religious liberty, freedom of religion, uh, of conscience, such as, uh, such as that which was inscribed in the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. D.A. Carson notes this in his book, The Intolerance of Tolerance, and yet the sad thing is we are dealing with a different definition of tolerance today. For example, we can consider the LGBTQ community and their influence on the modern definition of the word. They are given a priority in our culture. We're, we're taught that we must respect their viewpoint. But you see, no Christian today is against the LGBTQ community as a people group. What we're against is the ideology that says we must be tolerant of their ideas and revere them as if they are true. In fact, let's be further clear. The reason why Christians must object to this viewpoint of the LGBTQ community is because the Bible teaches very plainly and clearly that marriage is between one man and one woman for life under God. Not to mention that the Bible also is very clear that homosexual behavior and, and activity is sinful and it assaults the glory of God who made men and women in his image and assigned them a specific uh, 
gender. Now, the rejection of same-sex marriage is not due to a desire to withhold rights from these individuals, rather because the same-sex marriage denies the biblical definition of marriage and therefore is wrong. Now, again and again, what we see in our culture is how Christians who believe in marriage between one man and one woman for life are shut down in dialogue, discussion, even debate. Our culture believes that upholding the concept of traditional marriage is outdated, it's wrong, and therefore hinders the progress of society. But the sad irony in all of this is that Christians have fought for the rights of the unborn against abortion. We have started universities and more out of love for God, which fuels a love for people. But here's the thing, when you aim to shut down dialogue and discussion, let me be clear, you are not tolerant. You are being intolerant of people's views and viewpoints. That's what we see happening in the mainstream media. They want one viewpoint taught and to be articulated and for the other viewpoint, namely biblical Christians that adhere to the Bible to be shut down and maligned and, and mistreated. But if you speak out against them, you're, you're intolerant of others' views according to them and their viewpoints. Uh, you, according to them, you're, you're not hearing them if you talk in this way that I am. And, and you won't be able to engage them. But here's the reality. The sad thing is, is that our culture is blinded by the god of this world, Satan. And this leads to foregoing truth for lies. Satan wants nothing more than for people to be blinded to the truth. Satan does not want discussion, debate, or dialogue. He wants to be believed and followed without question, without qualification. But the Bible teaches the opposite of this. True Christians are not opposed to discussion and tolerance. What we do reject is the idea of a council culture for this very reason. That, 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 that we, the idea that we can reject people. Not, not nor their their ideas, because we think we're quote unquote better than them. Rather, we reject ideas, not people, because we know the truth of God's word, and we lovingly aim to show them the truth of Scripture. And so, rather than minimizing people and bombing them with opinions, Christians have the truth coming from God's word. We are to speak the truth in love, seasoned with salt. We are to kent tend for the truth once and for all delivered to the saints because the church is called to preach the word and make disciples of the nations for the glory of God. You see, only Christians, let's be clear about this, only Christians have a saving message that can rescue sinners from the gates of hell. We have a message that is exclusive, that Jesus is the only way to God and that it is restricted. Notice He's the only way. He is the only way. This means that the idea that you can blend multiple paths and multiple religions or worldly philosophies with Christianity, it does not work. Jesus himself said, he, in John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him but through the Father. You see, that's the truth. No one can come to God apart from Christ. That's why Christ had to come and be born in a manger under the sentence of death and pay the penalty as fully God and fully man in our place and for our sin. And this this is significant. The other side doesn't want to admit that they are intolerant of Christians. But the thing is, is you just go and look. 
you look at the mainstream media, you look at mainstream newspapers or, or even websites that promote the news, and they have a clear slant and a clear bias against Christians because they think that of all people, well, you're just judging me and that the Bible says do not judge. And so they think that there should be no judgment of any kind coming from a true Christian. The problem is, is when Jesus talked about judgment in the Matthew 7, 1, what he forbade was the, was the kind of judgment, or the hypocritical judgment, a judgment without all the facts, without all the ideas, without, all, without a full knowledge. But the scripture presents us a full knowledge. It presents us with what God says about man, about gender, about sexuality, and, and the Bible is clear that God created man, and he, he, he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so what did he do? He took from Adam's rib and made Eve, and he saw that it was good. He thought that it was good, and, and, and they became one flesh. What that does is it, it forbids uh, sex outside of marriage of any kind of, and type, and I and I say that very intentionally. It forbids sex of any kind, whether that's pornography or, uh, you know, having a having a you know some side action or whatever it is, a homosexuality. It forbids sexual sin uh, of any kind, and sex is only to be enjoyed inside of marriage. A man is a man, and a woman is a woman. Now, saying this today, to be clear, is very controversial because out, out in our culture today, we're told to say such a thing is outdated. It's outdated. It's, it's, you just have old-fashioned values. Those are, those are your views. Those are your opinions. Those are things that you think are right. But let's talk about that for just a minute here. Everybody on social media is talking about what they think is right and what they think is good. But the question that we have to ask is, do they have the truth or do they not have the truth? Now, the interesting thing about this is around, uh, I think it was 2019 or so, the Oxford Dictionary actually had a word that they put as the word of the year, which they do every year, but it was post-truth. It's the idea that, you know, there there is no real idea we can't really know what is true what is what is interesting is when i studied philosophy one of the things that we often got into is the whole idea that you have to define words and sometimes words don't mean what they really mean because you know they they've become muddled in our culture and so we have to talk about what they mean and this is what our culture wants to do. They want to talk about what a word really means. In fact, you can go look, you know, Google the word evangelist. You know, Apple has their own idea of what an evangelist is. Our, our culture takes Christian words and they seek to redefine them and give them a meaning that the Bible doesn't mean. It's, it's very interesting. But here's the, here's the point that I'm making. By, by trying to do a bait and a switch on changing the meaning of a word to, to suggest that the Bible is outdated, that it's full of myths and fairy tales, and that we shouldn't believe it, 
because they tell us, because it's how they feel about the subject, they're actually telling us what they think about truth. And that is that they don't believe truth. They don't believe that truth exists. They believe that truth as they would have it is according to their feelings. Well, this is what, interestingly enough, this is what liberal theologians do. They, they base their theology, progressive Christians, quote-unquote, and I, I say, I say progressive and Christian. Christian in that sense is in air quotes because it's not biblical Christianity. Just to be clear, so there's no confusion. I do not think that progressive Christianity is Christianity because it's not. When you base your religion, your thought on your feelings, and you abandon the objective truth coming from God's inspired, inerrant, sufficient, infallible, authoritative word, you have a different religion. And I wasn't the first one who said that. J. Gresham Machen was in 1920. 1920. A hundred year and one years ago, J. Gresham Machen said that progressive Christianity is a different religion in his book, Christianity and Liberalism. It is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Not only uh, will you learn a lot, he's also reformed. So there you go. Uh, and and that's the idea that we're trying to get here. Of all people as Christians, we should be the most tolerant people. We we should be tolerant in the biblical sense of others. We, we should display the fruits of the Spirit. We should be open to dialogue and discussion. And we should do all of this. Not only, not only because uh, the Bible has much to say about our speech, but it has much to say about how we engage with others. And we're also going to be held accountable for every idle word out of our mouths, everything that we teach. And by the way, we're all kind of teaching on, on social media. James 3.1 tells us, by the way, that teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. We're to use our words, Ephesians 4.29 tells us, to build up and to edify. So true tolerance, as we're defining it here today, is vital for the Christian. But I also want to say something here today about this and, and push back on one thing, because it's often thought, well, if, if true tolerance is, is true, does that mean that I really have to you know, deal with the person that I don't agree with? Actually, it does. But this doesn't mean that we have to agree with one another on every point of theology. We can disagree on secondary matters, on third-order matters, like, you know, with the timing uh, of the Lord's return and, and so on and so forth, even the mode of baptism, whether it's infant baptism or if it's, uh, you know, water baptism. Uh, we can agree to disagree on these types of matters. In fact, we can have even have respectful, honest dialogue with one another where God's word, not our opinions, is central on matters related to the Christian life and ministry with the understanding that, that what we believe about the finished and sufficient work uh, of Jesus is, and, and, and there's more that, that, we, that is essential here. I'm just saying the finished and sufficient work is vital for essential, uh, real Christian unity and fellowship. The gospel is of first importance, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. We must stand up and we must defend the truth in love and contend for it with all that we are. But even so, 
to win those who are in error and to correct our opponents in love that they might know the truth and walk in it through saving faith in Christ alone. Well, all of this requires rejecting the council culture, which emphasizes me, my feelings, that all the truth is about me. But the thing is, is truth comes from a source. It comes from God's word. So all truth isn't about how I feel. It's not about how I see things. All truth centers on the inspired and errant, infallible, uh, sufficient and authoritative and clear word of God, which declares the glory of the Son of Man and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ and the word are central to the Christian. Therefore, we're to engage in an open discussion and dialogue with one another. We do this because we love the Lord. We love one another. We're aiming to faithfully preach Christ to sinners and trusting our efforts to the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit alone can draw sinners to faith in Christ by opening their eyes to the horror of their sin and to the glory of Christ. And this is so vital, especially in our local churches, especially in the last two years, as many churches have have fractured because people think, well, if if you don't agree with me on vaccines and mandates and uh, all those things, then you know what? Uh, you're out of my life. You're, you're no longer my friend. Where's the Christian love? Where's the Christian charity in that? Where's the open and honest discussion and dialogue where even we can agree to disagree and we can say, you know what? I don't agree with you, but here's my reasons for why I disagree with you. Um, and we come away actually loving one another more. Y- you know what? We, Jesus Christ, he bled and died in our place and for our sin. When we counsel one another as Christians, we cheapen the grace of God. In fact, I would say that we don't, when we do that, when we counsel somebody out of our lives and uh, a fellow believer, and we block them on social media or anything like that, we show that we ourselves don't comprehend the horror of the cross of Christ. And yet people do it all the time. Oh, just just shut them out. Just X them out. They don't have the right view. Okay, well, you know what? Here's the thing. How is that loving? How is that a representation in a John 13, 35 sense where Jesus calls us to be known by our love for one another? If we X each other out on our political viewpoints and so on and so forth and don't actually have honest and open dialogue and discussion and things like this, then you know what? We we have a huge problem and that that problem is is because we're not we're not doing what Jesus taught us to do. We're not loving the Lord uh, as Matthew 22, 37 through 40 teaches us to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. We're, we're, not, we're not honoring, uh, in, in any sense, a, a Christian view of speech and ethics and, and behavior. Let's be honest. And this is why I'm doing this episode, because as Christians, we need to come together and we need to have open and honest dialogue and discussion. And, and we should not be afraid of this because the church has done it since the very beginning, we have been, we have led the way in open and honest dialogue and discussion because we believe that people are made in the image and likeness of God and therefore are deserving of dignity, value, and respect. And so we listen, we engage with what they say, and we teach what the Bible says. We proclaim what the scripture says. 
and we stand fast. We don't retreat. We proclaim. We we don't just go into a holy huddle. We go out and we are open and we are honest and yet we are firm and we contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Well, as we wrap up this episode, I only have a couple more thoughts, and that's this. Because there's a lot that could be said about this, but I try to keep these episodes to about 30 minutes for you. Let's trust the Word, friends, to do what the Word does. And let's trust the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. And let's be tolerant in the true Christian sense of the Word. Christians are for dialogue, we're for discussion, we're for debate. Because we are for the life of the mind which flows out of love for God and a desire for the well-being of fellow image bearers in our society at large. If we care about engaging in the public square, which we should, because we care and love our Lord who desires to see the lost saved, then we should care about how we engage. So I hope that you will earnestly and honestly evaluate not only just how you're engaging, but whether you're engaging in the council culture yourself. And if you are, I urge you to repent because the council culture is not Christian. It's not biblical in any sense of the word. We are not supposed to X each other out and cancel each other at all. We are to love one another. We are to pursue one another. We are to bear, in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, we are to bear each other's burdens. And especially in our local churches, we should never act, uh, never x one another out or cancel one another out or retreat from one another and so we should go to one another and talk to one another and have open and honest dialogue and discussion with one another so that's my that's my plea that we would go to one another that we would talk about our differences and even say you know what brother or sister i i agree to disagree with you and here's why and that other person could say, okay, I agree to disagree with you more. But at the end of the day, can we walk away on this non-essential issue? Can we walk away and, and love one another more? And, and the answer should always be yes. The answer should always be yes. Not let's retreat, let's move away from each other, but let's move towards each other. Let's move and, and gather around God's word, which declares the glory of Christ that that he has saved us and that we are his and he is ours and that we're his friend and that we're adopted and beloved by him and so let's us let us not x one another out let's not do away with one another let's not retreat from one another let, let's instead actually move towards one another L- let's press in uh, let's ask each other the hard questions let's have open and honest dialogue because Christ has loved us, he has saved us, he has called us to be his body. Uh, you may not like that difficult person that challenges you and it makes you feel like you're you're not very intelligent. But but you know what? God's using that person that to ru- to as a sandpaper person. He, he's rubbing again that he's using that person to to shine you and buff you uh, to to make you more like Christ. So praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. That, that's, not, that's an opportunity to show real Christian character and real Christian maturity. These are things that real mature Christians do that we've talked about. We don't X each other out. We don't cancel each other. We don't remove each other or block each other. We, we move towards each other. We move to have discussion and dialogue with one another. Uh, so I hope that this has been helpful there. There is a lot more that could be said. Um, about these matters. So 
I pray that you'll find this helpful and that you, because of your love for Christ, will move forward and that you'll move towards those who who you even agree to disagree with and that you'll love them with the love of Christ and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, all for the glory of God. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equip You and Grace podcast. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.